Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. So we just want to thank you just for this precious time. Lord, not just together, together as a family and as a body, just being together, but Lord, beyond that, just coming to corporately be in your presence together. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. But most of all, we just thank you for being you. We thank you for who you are, Jesus, the man, the person, the king, the savior. And we love you. We honor you. And we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. Thank you for the deliverance in the blood. We thank you for the healing that's in the blood. We thank you for the power that's in the blood. We just ask you right now, Lord, just to wash it over this house, over every individual right now, God. Just pour your presence out upon Turn hearts to you, God. Soften hearts that are hardened. Begin to release your peace into minds that God maybe have just been consumed with worry or fear over certain things that haven't changed. Whatever that may be, God, we just ask you right now to come and have your way in this house. Have your way in this house. We love you. We adore you. We praise you. We bow before you. We surrender our life to you. Commit our way to you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to invite Matthew to come and come and share a little bit of his testimony with you, and then we'll take up the offering this morning. So I'm not good at speaking in front of people, so I'm just going to be looking down at this the entire time. So, <laughs> okay, well, uh, like part of my testimony is like I used to be. A really bad alcoholic and I relied on it every single day and that's what this whole thing's about so uh, it starts my problem with alcohol started when I was a junior in high school growing up I was always kept away from these kinds of things my parents never drank and I was never around people that did either I went to a private school for nine years and homeschooled for two I had a job that summer right before my junior year and one of the assistant football coaches was my team lead at work. And uh, he kept asking me to come play football for the school because of my size. And we were able to get my parents to come in and talk with them. And long story short, I went to a public school, which is where it all <laughs> went bad. But And then, uh, where's that? Oh, yeah. And then when I, as soon as I went to the public school, I'd, I'd found a friend group right away because I went to school with uh, some of them in the private school and I grew up with some of them at church. And um, was, uh, I started going over to their house every weekend. 
And uh, it's like, I didn't have a problem with drinking right away. I kind of stayed away from it there in the beginning. But I got into other things. I started vaping and smoking and doing things I was supposed to be doing. And um, as time went on, I would have a few drinks here and there. But it started to work. It started to worsen later on. But and then, uh, as like I told myself, I wasn't gonna go down that path. I wasn't gonna become reliant on it and dependent on it because I've seen what it's done to people and I've seen what it's done to families and like how people treat other people when they're abusing substances. And uh, it was like when I started drinking, it started with just a few here and there, and I had a taste for it right away. It's like I fell in love with how it made me feel, and, you know, just that just sin feels good sometimes. I mean, that's just that's how it is. It makes you feel good, and misery loves company, and that's what it did. It just pulled me in. And... Um, I was like, I did that for two years. I was just drinking on the weekends every Friday night after football games or just going over to my buddy's houses after school. And all that with everyone that I went to school with ended when I graduated. We went and partied that night after graduation, and that was the end of that. And I continued to drink Friday nights, but then at work, I found a guy who was also an alcoholic and would drink at work. He would let me drink at work with him, and then he started getting me my own. So I would drink at work and on the way home from work. And when I was at home and I had time to run out to my vehicle, I would do it too. And like I lost all cares for anything I had. And then I got moved apartments at work. And I found out a couple months later that the one I thought was my friend at work had passed away. He had a brain aneurysm, and he tried to quit drinking cold turkey, and it made it rupture, and it killed him. And, um, and like, when I found it out, I was, I was really upset, and it kind of tore me up because I, I looked at him as a friend, and that kind of jump-started my drinking again. And I was drinking, again, every chance I had uh, during work, after work, on the way home from work, at home. And then it's like I went by for a while without drinking Saturdays because of, I mean, I lived that double life there for a while. But as far as I'd started drinking Saturday nights and then coming in and leading worship or being on stage, and it was, it was killing me. And it was like I was absolutely miserable. I hated myself. And because it was turning me into a monster, I said things to people that I really cared about that I regret and can't take back. And I'd done things to people that I never would have done being sober. And it was like, I just, I tried quitting on my own and that worked for like a week. And then I was right back on it. And I was just, I, I was completely miserable and I just put it in God's hands and I told him, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going down a path that is not of you and it'll end up killing me one of these days. It's like, I just cried out to God and put it in his hands and it was just the instant, like off my shoulders, didn't deal with it anymore. It's like he just lifted it off of me and... And I haven't, I haven't had the urge or desire to drink ever since that, so.
Isn't God so good? Amen. Well, good morning. Grab your Bibles, and I I want you to first uh, open them up to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. We'll dig in here in just a minute, but grab your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5, and then we're going to move around just a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit of Acts, and then I want to read out of Psalm 91 a tad bit, but uh, isn't God good? Amen? I missed you all. I only was out one Sunday, but I was gone two weeks to California to visit Whitney and Oliver and Lori, and, but I sure missed being here. I'm thankful for everyone and all you guys do. But uh, last Wednesday, uh, we had our annual Thanksgiving service and, and night of communion, and just a beautiful night. I had asked Pastor Jim to speak, and he uh, did such a great job just sharing about the heart of Thanksgiving in different areas. And so I had no intention this morning of speaking uh, about Thanksgiving, and then the Holy Spirit did. So uh, Friday, as I was in here getting ready, uh, man, he just really began to burn something in my heart. So I just put aside what I'd already been working on and and listened to him, which is... which is where we landed for this morning. Uh, Because I really believe that uh, Thanksgiving isn't just something that we're encouraged to do. Uh, It's a kingdom principle that will change your life. Amen? Amen? When we learn how to operate in it. And so... uh, so my title this morning, I guess, if I had one, would be how Thanksgiving releases the favor and provision of God. On how Thanksgiving releases the favor and provision of God. And, uh, uh, and how we can combat uh, spiritual amnesia. How many of you know sometimes we get spiritual amnesia whenever we're going into something? When something falls apart, when we begin to experience pain in a relationship or we, we, we lose a job or we get this uh, doctor's report or whatever that it is. And we've seen this through Scripture with the children of Israel, you know, as God had delivered them, you know, from, from slavery in Egypt. And they, you know, head out with this excitement. And then, but, you know, it wasn't a little bit uh, into it, you know, that, uh, you know, the heat started to bother them and different things. And they started complaining against Moses and complaining against God and different things begin to happen where they, they begin to complain in such a way that they forgot what they had been brought from. And uh, we just say, well, man, that's silly. But when I really dug into this with my heart this morning, I think we do that a lot. Because how many of you know the pain that we feel is real? I mean, the pain that we feel is real. I felt some deep, deep pain this year. Anybody else felt any deep pain this year? And I also felt some deep excitement and joy. And so learning how to go through these different seasons that we have in life and be able to operate in this principle. So I'm going to start here in First Leslie's 5 because it's just so powerful. And we've all known it and we've read it. But maybe uh, Holy Spirit would just... Uh, um, um, dig a little bit deeper this morning and reveal a little bit more in our hearts to, to what's being said here. For so, so 1 Thessalonians 5, we're just going to jump in at verse 16, and then I'll share some things with you. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, Paul says, Rejoice always, 
always be rejoicing. He says, pray without ceasing. And then he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So verse 18, we, we, we've heard this, but man, to, to be able to learn how to walk in such a way where we're applying this, Paul says, in everything give thanks, for it is absolutely the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, so these scriptures here, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul is giving these various exhortation, and then he lays out these two powerful, powerful kingdom principles. Actually, there's three because he says pray, pray without ceasing, but I'm going to focus on these other two. So he says, rejoice always, and then in everything gives thanks. So let's think about this for a second. This is Paul writing this. He says, rejoice always, and in everything give thanks. And we know from reading the scripture that this is coming from a man who knew great pain. Right? It's coming from a guy that's experienced a lot of things in life, and he experienced great pain. He experienced great loss. He experienced hardship. He experienced persecution. And then here he's coming out, and he's saying, guys, in everything, give thanks. Rejoice always. In other words, no matter what you're going through, keep your eyes on Jesus and truly learn how to rest in the sovereignty of God. So I would say this. The heart of thanksgiving is resting in the sovereignty of God in every situation that you're facing. To me, that is the core of living a thankful life, is resting, resting in the sovereignty of God, no matter what we're facing. It's, it's fully trusting in the nature of his goodness, and we do that with things in our past, when we can look back, uh, past and we can, we can be reminded of scars or things that happened that we didn't ask for, but, but, it, but it hurt us, it maybe devastated our family, it did this, it did that, but, but we can still, with this heart of gratitude and resting in the sovereignty of God, look back and say, man, one thing I can tell you today is that God sustained me. How many in here today that, that are thankful that God sustained you through some things in your life that probably you would have broken without him being your sustainer? So this heart of thanksgiving is living in this thing every, and it really learns, it really will change your worship every day. Because you can get up every morning and begin to worship just by saying, God, thank you for the things that you brought me through. And then, we, and then the present, God, thank you, thank you, God, that I'm facing this thing. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But thank you, God, at the end of the day, you are going to make all things work for the good for those that love you, God. I'm clinging to you, and my eyes are on you and not on this situation. And then that we can begin to continually just go ahead and, how you know, it's powerful to give thanks for the future. Because that's trusting in him, because it's in his hands, amen? So we just learn to do this as we rest in the sovereignty of, of God. And uh, so, so this is, I guess I'm just going to give you the target, the, the red bullseye of this sermon today. And then we'll kind of break it down a little bit. An attitude of thanksgiving is the key that releases heaven over your life. 
An attitude of thanksgiving is the key that will open heaven over your life. When we get into an attitude of complaining or these kinds of things, it is, the, it is a key as well that will close that door. So we learn this principle all through Scripture. We're going to walk in this a little bit more. This, it, it, his, his, it releases his favor and provision. Paul says, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what the will of God is for you? Paul said, it's in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. And we're going to talk about what that looks, looks like here in a minute. But thanksgiving was the, was the key that released Paul from prison that he was in. So I want to show you this a little bit and how it can relate to us today. But go ahead real quick and you can hold that spot if you want to. But I want, I want you to go to Acts and um, uh, chapter uh, 16. And again, you, got, you guys know this, but, but let, let's, pull on this, uh, let's pull on this a little bit from uh, having this posture of thanksgiving and know that it's a key that, that opens heaven. So here in, here in, in, uh, in Acts 16, uh, we just see how thanksgiving was that key that opened up those, that prison for Paul. So look here, go to, go to 16 and go to verse 22. So Acts 16 Verse 22, we're going to read just a little bit here, so just follow along with me because there's some details in here that you really, want to, you really want to grab a hold of. They're important. So verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them, okay, Paul and Silas, and the magistrates uh, tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods, and then when they had laid many stripes on them, so they're stripped naked and they're beaten with rods, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to stocks. Verse 25. But at midnight, everybody say midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Pray without ceasing, right? Rejoice always, and in everything give thanks. So at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison doors were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. That's a real important note there. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and, and rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Isn't that powerful? 
And so I know we, we know we know part of this story, and it's kind of in the background of our minds, but when you really look at this, and you really look at the, you know, the, uh, the kingdom principle of thanksgiving, it, it's not just this generic, hey, try to be thankful, right? Like if someone gives you a gift, even though it's, it's, it's not maybe what you want to, you know, try to be thankful. Like we know these little things, but I'm telling you, this principle of being thankful goes so far beyond that. And so we learn this here with Paul and Silas, and here they are. They're beaten again they're with rods. They're thrown in prison, all for setting a girl free and for preaching the gospel. So that kind of adds to it a little bit because a lot of times in church or in the kingdom and we're doing the Lord's work, right, and we're serving and we're teaching and we're preaching and we're leading worship or we're doing outreaches and we're tithing and we're faithful to church. It's like we're doing the things we know God's called us to do. And then sometimes whenever a storm comes or a trial comes or a pain comes, that's when sometimes it's difficult for us in the moment to see that God was there. How could God allow this to happen in my life and in my family whenever I'm doing everything that he's told me to do? I'm doing my best to follow his commands. But you learn here, Paul and Silas was walking out the call of God on their life, man. They were out preaching the gospel. They were sacrificing themselves. They were doing everything that they had been called to do. And they, they, they deliver this girl of demons, and then all of this comes on them. And they're, again, they're beaten, and they're thrown in prison, down in the dungeon. They're bound by chains. Come on, man. And then what's their response? What's their response? The Bible says that they rejoiced and they gave thanks. I was doing exactly what Jesus told me to do, and now my body is broken. I've been beaten with rods. I'm naked. I'm, I'm bound down in the basement of this prison with shackles. It's not looking really good, Silas. What are we going to do? Rejoice always. In everything, we're going to give thanks. And this is what they begin to do, and they worship God. And I just want to, I just want to tell you sometimes, 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 uh, uh, you know, I, I've noticed that we often rejoice louder in seasons of victory than we do in seasons of battle. That's what I want to worship more quietly. Because a lot of times in that moment, I'm not always feeling it. Even though I know it's right and that's what I know what it's what it's need to do. But listen, my mind and everything else isn't lining up with it in the moment. But I love this story about Paul and Silas because when you look at the condition and the position that they were in and they were in prison, they know how that thing was probably going to end up. It says they sang and worshipped and rejoiced and gave thanks and all the other prisoners could hear them. That is powerful, guys. Like in the midst of this thing, man, I am not going to hold back. Everyone in the prison can hear him. When it didn't make sense. When it didn't make sense. Then the Bible says that suddenly, suddenly the foundation of the prison was shaken and the doors opened and then the chains fell off. How many are ready for some suddenly moments in your life for things to shift? And they worshiped. 
And they rejoiced and they gave thanks and they did it loudly. They weren't ashamed. They weren't afraid. They weren't, they weren't worried about the other prisoners questioning them, saying, have you lost your mind? Do you not realize the likelihood of you being tortured and killed for what you've done? You're bound in the prison. It's cold. Your body's bleeding. You got wounds all over you. Come on, man. Like you, a lot of times you'll find a lot of friends like Job did that I want you to actually set up a tent where you're at. And they'll go ahead and crawl on the tent and just cry along with you. I don't know about you, but I want to run with some people that in my hardest moments can come with compassion. And they can say, man, I, my heart is hurting. My heart is breaking for you. I am sorry for this storm that you're going through. But we know that God is great. We know that he's bigger. We know he's all-powerful. We know there's nothing, nothing that he cannot do. Come on. Someone that will get me when I'm weak. And when I don't feel like praying, they'll get alongside of me and hold me and go ahead and cry out on my behalf. Come on, man. Because there's power in that rejoicing and giving thanks for whatever things we're facing in life. I love how they handled this thing, man. And those doors opened and the chains fell off. Their heart posture of thanksgiving in the midst of pain not only set them free, but it also set free the people around them. Don't miss that. Come on, man. How you handle what you're going through might not just free you, but it might free the people around you as well. So good. Help us, Jesus. The prison guard and his whole family were saved by their example of thanksgiving. Amen? Realize the favor and the provision of God. The, this, this principle, guys, church, this principle of thanksgiving is so, so powerful. And so I've learned, I've learned that we often give thanks after we receive, Right? Like we often give thanks after we receive, after he's worked that thing, after, after we begin to see some light. And then oftentimes we complain while we're waiting. We kind of get this thing mixed up. It's so easy to do. But Paul says the key is giving thanks in the middle of your pain because it's what unlocks the door. Okay, now. How many of you have ever been in prison? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Woo, almost let that one get out of control. No. I, lo I love this story. And I, lo I love what God's doing this morning. Because in reality, a lot of times we do get in spiritual prisons. Come on. Come on. We, 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 we allow what, ha what is happening, what we can't change, what we, what we can't fix on our own, things that we don't understand sometimes. When we don't, when we don't right, rightly give them to the Lord the way that Paul tells us to, when we, when, we, when we begin to stop rejoicing, when we begin to stop giving thanks and start highlighting more where we've been hurt, how many times we've been hurt, how unfair it is, how unjust it is, and all those kinds of things, what happens is, is we end up allowing ourselves to be put 
put in spiritual prisons by the enemy. Come on, let's just be real about this this morning, man. I want to... What's that look like? Grief. And grief isn't bad. We're going to grieve, grieve at times. But you can't stay in grief. You don't want grief to be a prison. But if we don't handle loss rightly, grief can become a prison. Come on. Just being real with you. And then, and then uh, if we don't follow this lifestyle of the Beatitudes and we don't, we don't forgive and we don't love and we don't bless our enemies, we do that kind of thing, then, then unforgiveness and bitterness can become a prison that we live in, in the spirit realm. Discouragement, discouragement when we're not following this biblical, powerful principle of the kingdom of God. You stay in discouragement a whole lot longer than what you need to a lot of times. You see what I'm saying? All of these things, all of these things that we face and that we feel in life become, become, become entanglements around us. And people are, people are entangled in fear. People are entangled with worry. And people get entangled with, with in, the, in the trials that they have going on. And on and on and on and on and on. So, so we, 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 we know that, that in looking in this, in this context that, that Paul and Silas were, were, in, a, were in, a, in a literal a literal prison with literal chains around them and literal wounds by the rods that beat their flesh. Like we, we know that. But I, 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 think, I think we have a hard time sometimes seeing the prisons that we've allowed ourselves to get into in the spiritual realm and we just accept that we've got to stay there. But how many of you know that's not what Jesus came for? Come on. He came for us to be free and for us to learn how to identify and recognize these things and recognize what, what, what got us in, in these situations. Come on, someone. And so here, Paul says, and what I just want to drive home today, Paul says, uh, here's the way out. Here's the way out, guys. No matter what it is, man, if you've just been ongoing just in this dark season, it just feels like you can't shake worry or, or you, you, know, you, know, you know down deep that you, that you trust God, but there's a situation with your family or your marriage or your children or your health, and it's like every day there's thoughts that come in your mind of fear, and you just feel like you're being entangled in fear. Come on, someone. Or, man, you tried to press through that relationship and you've, you've, you've told them you've forgiven them, you've received, but man, there still seems to be this entanglement, right? And God wants to set us free of these different things. Paul comes in and he says, guys, here's the way out. Grumbling, complaining, living as a victim is going to keep you entangled. It's going to keep you in that spiritual prison. But if you rejoice always, and if you in everything give thanks, trusting in the goodness and the sovereignty of God, thanksgiving will free you. And again, the heart of it is, is trusting in the sovereignty and the goodness of God because when you, even when you look at, like, like uh, I can't go here. I don't have time for this. Okay, maybe a minute. But like when you look at Job, right? And you look at what Job went through and what happened with Job and how 
he, all of this stuff, that, I mean, the devastation and the loss that he felt in all of these things was in there, and it was so, so absolutely real to him. And, and, and so we kind of see that he, where he began to step into this and, and complaining and living as a, as a victim, and then he had his friends, you know, come and share the thing. And some of the things that they said was true, but a lot of it was not, not right. It was not biblical. And, um, and so... Uh, uh, you know, he's going through this stuff. And so really when you look at it, it starts in Job chapter 3, and then you get into that very last chapter. But in the last chapter, through this process, right, of talking to God and the people around him, you know, he began to see and God began to speak to him. And in the end of that, Job began to rest in the sovereignty of God, of knowing, because what he was trying to do is he was trying to figure it out. I'm a just man. I'm a godly man. Now, I, I'm, I'm plagued with all this. I've lost my family. I've lost my income. I've lost everything. But then I look over here, and the heathens seem blessed. Now, God tried to explain this to me. He went through this whole conversation with God. And in the end, he learned that he had to trust in the sovereignty of God. And in trusting in the sovereignty of God with things that didn't make sense and things that he didn't understand, Job began to fall in, those fi in that final chapter and repent before the Lord. And what did God do? Because the, the thanksgiving and the repentance was a key that opened the door. And you know what God did? He released his favor and provision over Job. And Job received double from what he lost. How many of you know your God's a double portion God? I said, how many of you believe that your God's a double portion God? Maybe some of you haven't experienced yet. I'm going to ask you one more time until something awakens inside your spirit. How many of you believe that God is a double portion God? He is a double portion God. Guys, he is a double portion God. You can bank it. You might not see it in that moment. You might not feel it in that moment. But if you'll stand in faith and trust in the sovereignty of God and that, there, that we're not going to always understand everything, we can't see everything that he sees. But in the, in the last moments, if you will trust in the sovereignty of God and in the goodness of God, if you will rejoice always and in everything give, give thanks, you'll experience the double portion of God in your life. He is so good. Can we just give him praise this morning? Amen. Help us, God. I just want you to know I'm preaching to myself this morning. Y'all just get to hear it as the Lord's speaking to me. Isn't he so good? You know why, other than obviously just following the command of the word, but this kingdom principle, what happens and why it's so powerful to, 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 in every, to, to rejoice always in everything, give thanks, is because it shifts your gaze. It shifts your gaze. Guys, it shifts your gaze. It puts your gaze upon him and off of you. When you begin to give thanks intentionally, even when, even when all your emotions aren't lining up with it, but in faith you begin to give thanks, it shifts your gaze. 
Thanksgiving will, it will, will, when you step into it in that moment and you're rejoicing always and with everything given thanks, guys, that, that obedience of thanksgiving, that heart posture, it will shift your momentum. It'll begin to shift your momentum. You begin to take your thoughts captive, right? Begin to walk through, allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to renew, renew the mind. There are Romans 12, 1 and 2, and all these things. And it'll begin to, re- to move you from being pitiful to being powerful. How many of you have ever been pitiful? I've been pitiful. <laughs> the pain that I felt was real. The pain that you feel is real. The need for compassion, the need for God to bring people alongside of you in the middle of that pain, to love you and to just to, 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 to show his compassion and support you. These things are so important. But I'm going to tell you something. In those moments when we hurt the most, guys, I don't want to stay a victim. I don't want to live pitiful. I want to be powerful. I don't want anything to keep me from walking and stepping into the things that God has for me. I don't want to go through a season in my life that was bad and just decide within myself that I'm just going to have to set a tin up there, Lucas, until Jesus comes back. And I'm going to have to be depressed and sad and beaten and living like a victim the rest of my life. Oh, me. Come on, man. And you, you, I, I don't know if you guys, are you guys getting this? This is so real, Pastor Jason, because life isn't fair. Like, life isn't fair. God has his will, and it is all good and all powerful, and that he blessed us to not live as robots. So that he gave man a self-will. And man does bad things. And the bad things that men do affect all of us. And that brings on this injustice and the hurt and the pain and family separated that never in a million years would have dreamed they were separated or all these different events. And it's so easy, Crystal, it is so easy to get under the shadow of the injustice and set a tin up there. But as you, if, you, if you ever set a tent up in that place, that tent will become your focus and not God. And you're going you're, you're gonna to lose momentum, not gain momentum. Right? You're not going to see the release of, of the favor and the provision of God in you. Amen? You guys okay? I'm going to try to land this thing here in just a minute. But this is so good. Thank you, God. <clears throat> Thanksgiving releases his joy and it releases his peace into your life. It, it, pay attention. It opens your ears to hear his voice more clearly in a storm. If you'll rejoice and give thanks in a storm, it will open your ears to hear the clarity of what he's saying in that moment which then gives us right direction on how to navigate out of it. It will open your eyes to see what he's seeing in and through that situation, and it'll open your heart to encounter what's on his heart. 
It'll open our ears, it'll open up our eyes, and it'll open up our heart. Rejoice always, and in everything, give thanks. Now, <clears throat> here's a key thing that you guys have to grab a hold of in this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. Here's what it's not saying. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. I got some things I'm not giving thanks for. <laughs> Anybody got some stuff that I'm not giving thanks for? It's not right. It wasn't God's will. It's not God's will. It's not God's plan. I'm not giving thanks for anything that's not God's plan. It's not His will. It shifts everything. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't do that as a man. So it's not telling us. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not thankful when a tragedy happens. Anybody? Like I'm not, I'm not thankful for an injustice when an injustice happens to myself or people that I love. I'm not thankful for sickness, for a sickness. If you're wake up with a cold, thank you, Lord, for that cold. Come on, man. It's not, it's not, we got, we got to, we got to separate this. It's not what he's saying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not thankful for a trial. I mean, I say I'm not thankful for a trial. After the trials, I'm thankful because trials produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. So he can use that thing to strengthen you, grow you, and mature. So there's purpose in trials, but I'm not thankful for, for, the, for the specific trial. Here's what I want you to see today, and here's what I'm not saying. You're going to hurt. Like as believers, you are, you are going to hurt and you're going to feel sadness and you're going to, you're going to feel grief uh, over, over loss of different things or people in our life. And all of that is biblical and it's okay. You're going to feel, you're going to feel disappointment um, when something doesn't work out. Sometimes the way that we prayed, the way we thought it should, like all these different things, you're going to feel trials. Like you feel this stuff, guys. It's real. Um, in Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, it says there's a time and a season for everything. And there's a time, there's a time to weep, right? There's a time to weep. And then there's a time to mourn. And there's a time to laugh. And there's a, there's a time to dance. There's these seasons that we're going to go through and we're going to feel this stuff happening. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and you're heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You're going to feel this stuff, Jesus says. And then he says in John 16, he says, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, right? Be of good cheer. What's that? Rejoicing and giving thanks. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You're going to face tribulation this life, but always rejoice and in everything give thanks, for I've overcome it. You're going to see the victory. Come on, somebody. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul, Paul wasn't saying, be thankful when bad things happen to you. He wasn't saying, be thankful that you're in pain. He said, be thankful in all things. 
So in that trial, in that pain, in that injustice, come on, in these things, be thankful. So in everything that you go through and you experience, remain thankful for the one who will sustain you through it, the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? So again, it's, it's, uh, it's the call to always look up and trust in the goodness and the sovereignty of God, no matter what we're facing, because he's worthy. Come on. I trust in his sovereignty. I obey the word, Max, and I trust in his sovereignty. I believe he's healer. I believe he's healer. I believe there's nothing impossible with God. I know that. What I don't know always is his timing and will for people. I don't know that. What I do know is what he's called me to do. And he says, if there's any sick among you that you anoint them with prayer, with oil, and pray that the sick person shall be made well. I prayed with people that were healed. I prayed with people that weren't healed. I prayed with people that were on their deathbed. Come on, somebody. And they rose up off of that deathbed. And I prayed for some on their deathbed that Jesus took to heaven. I'm going to tell you what, it'll mess you up if you try to be, think the way that God thinks and think that you can understand all that stuff. At some point in time, you've got to do what you know that he's called you to do, and then you've got to trust in the sovereignty. I'll tell you one thing I will. I don't listen to the doctors. I don't listen to the nurses. I don't listen to what they're saying. I don't listen to how many minutes or hours. This is. I feel like, tell you, if there's a breath in their lungs, I believe that they can be healed. And then in the moment that I watch them take their last breath on earth and their first breath in heaven, blessed be the name of the Lord. You are good, God. I trust in your sovereignty and I trust in your will. God, bring glory out of this. Bring life out of this. Bring freedom out of this. You guys good? In everything, rejoice always. Always give thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to share uh, one more. You guys okay? I want, to, I want to share one more thing with you, passage of Scripture here, then I'm going to pray, pray over you. But how many are thankful that joy comes in the morning? Yes. Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Let me, let me say this real quick. Thanksgiving is faith expressed. That's really what it is. Thanksgiving is faith intentionally being expressed. When you don't understand, when something doesn't make sense in our own understanding, it's choosing to trust God. And in faith, giving thanks to the one who knows what we don't know. Amen? Let me have you read this with me, and we'll finish here. Turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 91. <clears throat> We'll wrap this up. This is so beautiful. How many love Psalm 91? It's so powerful. But I just want you to see the, this kingdom principle of, of how, how thanksgiving uh, releases the, the favor and provision of God. And we'll have a little time of worship here to do what he's told us to do. We're going to rejoice and give thanks. Amen? <clears throat> so... Uh, I need to turn myself. Psalm 91. You guys got it? I just want to read these first four verses. This whole chapter I could tap into, but I can make my point here in these first four for time reasons, so let's just do that. Psalm 91. Look at verse 1, guys. And just, just take this in. Let this wash over you. He who dwells in the, in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then watch what happens. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress and my God, and in him I will trust. For surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Verse 4. I love this. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Let's just stop right there. I Go ahead and, and go home and read the rest of that. But isn't that powerful? Let me, let me attach this to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 real quick. <clears throat> it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. What's that mean? That means your gaze is fixed on Him. It's not, always a, it's not always a place. It's not always the prayer room at your house. It's not always the sanctuary here at church. Come on, someone. But it's that secret place. That Wherever you're at, it's wherever you're at. It's that moment that you intentionally choose to lock eyes with Jesus and get your gaze on him. So he who dwells in the secret place the most high, your gaze is fixed on him. So as you're gazing at the Lord and not on the storm or not on the tragedy or not on the loss or not on the grief or not on the injustice, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's that mean? When you're under the shadow of something, you're under the covering of it. You take one of those portable tents that you set up for things in the summer and you, you, you pop that baby up and you, you, or if I go to the beach, beach because I, I get sunburned in the shade, people. And that's with 50 SPF on. But I know if I get down there and I get my, my, my cute little umbrella popped up and I get my beach chair right underneath it, then I can get under it and I'm under the shadow that umbrella is my shelter. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? This is powerful. Because I'm not talking about if. I'm talking about when you go through stuff. Like when you feel these things. When these injustices. When you feel these spiritual prisons begin to entangle you. The scripture says that if we will abide, if we will gaze into Jesus' eyes, and then as we're abiding, as we're gazed upon him and not on our wound or not on the injustice, then we'll be under his shadow. We'll be under, under the covering of the Almighty. There's nothing that can cover you like God. I'm thankful that you run to friends when you run to friends. But I'm here to tell you, your friend cannot cover you. The only thing that your friend is called to do is to lead you to get under the covering of God. If they're trying to get you under their covering, you're going to be in trouble. And I'm thankful for relationships. But if we love people, we're not going to keep them in their tent of sorrow and, and try to be, be their healers. We're going to get them under the covering of God. We're going to get them to lock their gaze with Jesus again. So this scripture is kind of leading us through that. Our gaze is on Jesus. We're under his shadow. We're under the covering. So we're abiding. And abiding is living mindful of and resting in the presence of God. I'm going to say it again. Abiding 
is living mindful of and resting in the presence of God. It's a heart and mind full of thankfulness, trusting in Him and trusting Him in sovereignty. When it hurts and when it doesn't make sense. So here we are. Here we are. Dwelling in the secret place and our gaze is on God. As our gaze is on God, we're under his shadow, we're under his covering. And then, and then that next verse, look how powerful this is. When you do that, then it says, in the midst of my distress, in the midst of my distress, under his covering, under his shelter, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and, and fortress. He is my God, and in him I will trust, and I will rejoice and give him thanks. That's abiding. Oh, church, that we awaken it within us, that we get enough strength and power and, and understanding to stand and truly trust in the word of God. Amen? And knowing how good our God is, we're resting in his sovereignty. And so when we face things, when we feel things, when fear begins to come or worry begins to come or this pain begins to come that we get in the secret place and we get our gaze upon Jesus and then we begin to abide in him and as we're abiding then we're coming under his covering and under his shadow and then all of a sudden your mind because you've been intentional and you're intentionally gazing up your mind will come in alignment with your eyes the mind didn't first take his gaze up. There has to be an intentional, I'm going to gaze up because my mind is wondering. My mind's trying to figure everything out. But when you get your gaze on Jesus, your mind will follow. You'll begin to abide under his covering. Your thoughts will begin to shift. And then you'll be able to say, as the psalmist says, I trust in the Lord my God. He is my healer. He's my restorer. He's the way, way, my way maker. <laughs> He's my provider. He knows what I don't know. And it's in that moment, and in that place, in all situations, that we can in everything give thanks and rejoice always. And will it not only as we do it, as we do it vocally and verbally and loudly in the middle of this thing, when people are going to look at you and say, what is wrong with you? I was at school with Lori uh, since I was there for an extended time. I, I was able to go to class with her a couple of days, and it was so good. And, uh, but there was a lady in one of the classes, and she was kind of sharing her testimony. Uh, not, it wasn't on this, but it was because it was really on, on resting in the sovereignty of God and trusting in God and, and, and having this attitude. But she gave the testimony of uh, her and her husband and their son dying. I, I don't believe that he was a child. I believe he was a, 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 young, a young man. I don't know. We'll just say 20s to 30s, IDK. But he got sick and, and he passed away. But, uh, but their son loved the Lord. He loved the Lord with all of his heart, man. He was ready to go be with the Lord. And, uh, but she, she testified of how she almost felt guilty at his funeral because she was filled with so much joy. She was filled with so much joy of knowing that her son is with the king of glory. And yet the natural reaction or response, and it's not bad because, again, there's a season, there's a time to grieve. I'm not saying every, that, 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 that's what we're always just going to have a funeral for someone we love and, and be, be overflowing with joy. 
Well, I, mean, I think we're going to feel grief. Her testimony was just a little bit different because she was overcome with joy, where even during the service, this joy began to raise up in her, and she just started laughing as she thought about her son being with Jesus in that moment and the looks that she got around her. And then so she started to kind of like quiet herself, and then she thought, no, 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 no. Rejoice always, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for me in Christ Jesus. Isn't that so good? How are you guys? Good? Yeah. You got something you need to rejoice in right now? Do you have something you need to rejoice in right now? Do you have something you need to give thanks in right now? Come on, somebody. Because you're, you're rejoicing in your thanksgiving is the key that's going to release the favor and the provision of God in that moment. And as the psalmist says, you're going to come under his covering. He's going to sustain you and provide for you. Amen. And you'll begin to say, I trust in the Lord my God. He is good. He's good. Amen. Stand with me. I'm going to close in prayer. Pray over you. Amen. Amen. I think we'll... Thank you, Craig. I think I'll have Craig come and maybe just lead us in a song here for just a moment because I think I think I want to give us an opportunity to rejoice. Amen. I thought about this verse as well. I'll read this and then we're going to worship together. But um, steady in this, Paul really just stirred in my heart. But this is what Paul said in Philippians in regards to regards to this. In Philippians, Paul says. Ah, not that I speak in regard to need. I've learned in whatever state that I am to be content. That is the word that's thankful. So Paul says, it's not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned whatever state I am to be thankful. I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then Paul said this, and this is what we're all familiar with in in 4.13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is where thanksgiving comes from. Because ultimately, Pastor Jason, we know that we can, for us to be able to do the things he's called us to, it can only be through Christ. Because he's going to be my strength. So I've got to go through him. I gaze on him. I'm under his shelter. And as I am, like Paul said, man, you know what? When the bank account's full, I'm going to give thanks. When the bank account's not full, and that's usually when stuff breaks down, right? <laughs> that's, usually when the, that's usually when the washing machine goes out. What are we going to do? We're going to give thanks. Come on. Come on. In everything, we're going to give thanks. We're going to trust in the sovereignty of God. This is going to become an everyday part of your life. When you wake up and when you go to bed, you're going to walk in this revelation, this kingdom principle, that I'm going to rejoice in everything that happens today, right? And I'm going to, in everything, in it, give thanks. I might not give thanks for everything that happens, but in it, I'm going to give thanks because I know my God is going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful.
Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.